Welcome to St. James Lutheran Church in the name of Jesus Christ. My name is Joel Hess, and I pray that you are blessed by today's message with faith in Christ, who is our life. If you'd like to support the mission of God here in Chicago, go to stjames-lutheran.org. Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? In the name of Jesus, amen. I have here in my sermon, it says, <laughs> uh, genie joke. So I'm supposed to make a joke about genies. I couldn't find a good one, so... Do you know what I'm talking about when I say genies and lamps? Maybe you've got a good joke. You can tell me later. The lamp, you rub it, right? The genie comes out, uh, and uh, you got three wishes. Now, what, what would the wish that you would, if you're smart, you're going to say what? A million wishes? Something like that, right? I wish for a million wishes. <laughs> I got you, genie, right? I don't know. There's all jokes like that. None of them I really thought that were funny. You get the point. I think we think of God like that, like a genie. Rub, rub the right way on that lamp, he's going to say this and that sort of thing, you know. And, and, uh, but I think we also think it's bad to think of God like that. Oh, he's not a genie. He's not just there to do whatever you want him to do, right? Uh, you know, grant you three wishes and uh, whatever you ask, God will give you. Right? It seems kind of crass to compare God with Aladdin, but uh, with a genie. But uh, Jesus in chapter 10 of Mark kind of sounds like one. He asks this question of people a couple times. What do you want me to do for you? Just point blank, open-ended. What would you say? I bet you've got immediate things that you would love Jesus to do for you right now. Some of them real simple. Maybe some of them crass. Maybe something deep. Jesus is on a journey in Mark. All the Gospels, if you notice frequently, I think all the writers kind of use that sense of Jesus went on his way. Jesus kept on journeying. Jesus kept on going because they're bringing out the theme, and Mark certainly does this, that Jesus from his birth, ever since he was born, was on a journey to one destination, one place. Where is that? Jerusalem and the cross, dedicated, focused. But a lot of stuff happens on this journey. And so Jesus is on this journey in Mark chapter 10. And, and um, he is uh, on his way. A couple of his disciples came up to him and they asked him, uh, teacher, we want you to do whatever, whatever we tell you, ask you. Which is pretty, I mean, kind of God bless him for this boldness, really. Like, that's pretty impressive. They had kind of been watching Jesus. He seemed to be very successful and was going to be successful. He could do amazing things. He had just fed the 5,000, all this sort of stuff. So they just got right after it. Now, what's kind of funny is right before this, right before this, they saw Jesus say a number different ways, uh, stuff like little children. You got to become like a little, worthless, weak child to enter the kingdom of God. You know what I mean? Uh, and the first shall be last. So they, you know, it, he's been kind of teaching this lesson, but uh, if you read the scriptures, they, we don't get it a lot. We want you to do whatever we ask you to do. And Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? And what is their request? 
We want to sit on your left and right side when you come into your glory, when the kingdom is fully present in this world, when you become, when this coup takes place, quite frankly, in Jerusalem, the leader of the globe. We want to be in charge with you. Now, we're not going to take over your job, Jesus. You're awesome, but we want to be on your left and right. We want to, we want to have some authority. We want to have a high position. We've kind of put our time in with you. I think they're thinking that probably, you know what I mean? Like, we've been hanging out with you for a while. We've given up a lot of stuff. We're kind of thinking maybe you'd put us in, uh, you know, vice president and secretary of state or something like that. It's an interesting request because it must... They could have asked anything. What do you want me to do for you? They could have asked anything, and they want this power. I think they think they can handle it. Maybe they too could be gods, and they got the qualifications. They're not that bad of people. I don't know what they're exactly they're, they're thinking, but it sounds like a typical request we might have in our lives. We don't think we're that bad off. We don't think we're that uh, weak morally. We can probably lead. We don't want to be a disciple. We, we'd like to be a leader in this new world order, Jesus. It's funny because I asked the kids here, what would you say? And one of them said, cash. So I, I don't know what that uh, means. Uh, lots of cash, you said. Anyhow, this kind of, a, you know, is a typical request of God. Uh, and and uh, it reminds me of, I shouldn't say this, yesterday in our new member class, um, we're talking about Christianity, of course, uh, and uh, one of, one of uh, the, the uh, participants said, you know, um, I always hear this cliche, I'm not religious but spiritual. Have you heard that before? I'm not religious, I'm spiritual, right? It, which I just, First of all, that doesn't even make any sense. It's literally illogical. It doesn't, I don't know what that even means. Um, I got an idea, and we'll talk about it in a second, but everybody's religious, because you have habits and you have a system of thought that you are obeying. Does that make sense? Nobody in the, glo- in the world is not religious. And maybe the most dangerous religion is one you're not even aware of. You're like a robot. You're not even aware that you are automatically doing certain things. And everyone has a God, even atheists, and they have a morality and they have habits to fit that. So that's not even a conversation. You're religious. That's not the question. The question is, who's your God? But I think when people say they, when they say they mean that, I think they kind of think like these two that wanted to be sort of in charge, like Jesus, I'm not religious, but spiritual really probably means, and she said it too, it means you want to pick whatever you want because you really want to be the creator of your own religion. So you'll determine what is right and wrong, basically. You'll pick and choose from God's word even what you like because really, ultimately, what that means is you... You'd never say this, I'm God. No one would ever say that. But ultimately, you'd like to be God. Just like Adam and Eve took the fruit because they wanted to be God as well. And I know you fight with that yourselves. And what's funny is to actually think that, that we have the intelligence to be God. You know what I mean? Like we have the intelligence to actually tell God what he should do. That we think that we can lead with him? Just simply intelligence. What do we know? 
Like literally, logically, you don't want to be a Christian to see this. What the heck do we know? Around to some planet spinning around. Can barely get off that. Second, who are we morally? Look at what human beings do. Why would we think they should be God? <laughs> or in charge of what right and wrong is, if you really think about it. I know those people are terrible. Those people started World War II. Those people were, are racist. Those people are terrorists. We, we, we know that there's bad people in the world, but it's never us. Well, it is. You are the problem. No, those people are not any different than you are. The worst person you can think of is a human being. And the inclinations and the struggles are all the same. Who are we to think that we're strong enough? We can't live past 80-something with all our technology, hundreds of years and billions of dollars, and it's a 100% death rate. And we can't even make the world do, go well. And we even break down our own relationships. I would actually say we're the worst possible gods. And in fact, the joke is you're, you are the worst master of yourself because I bet you're far more demanding and have higher expectations and there's no forgiveness in your religion if you're God of your life. That's what these disciples wanted. We want to be in charge. Jesus basically says, you can't handle it. You can never, you don't know what you're even asking, he says. But he doesn't kick him off the team, interestingly. He says that to you too. You think you can be in charge? You think you're in charge of right and wrong? You think you know better than Holy Scriptures? So Jesus moves on on that journey. Where is he going? To Jerusalem. And he goes through Jericho, and he comes through Jericho, and on the side of the road is a blind beggar. And you know what they look like. Because you walk by some, perhaps even coming here today, or to get your coffee at 7-Eleven or whatever, and someone was asking for money. That's exactly what it is. And he's blind. And therefore, he's stuck in a position of absolute dependability. He needs people to help him or he will die. And someone set him on the side of the road kindly so he has access to be able to ask people for help. And he hears Jesus is coming. And this is good too. You don't know the names of these people that you just take for granted. I do. They're just there. They're, in the, they're part of the furniture of Chicago. And they're there, and it is what it is. And they're usually crazy or something, and that's just crazy so-and-so. This blind beggar, Mark tells us his name. Bartimius, don't forget it. Because Jesus knows the name of those that we just walk on by. He knows who they are, and he sees them. And they have a name to him, and so do you. No matter how low you go, or outside of society you feel. And so Bartimaeus hears that Jesus is coming, and Bartimaeus, you see, has absolutely no pride. I mean, what's, what are you gonna do? He's a blind beggar on the side of the road. I don't know if he can get 
He's not even like my buddy, Blind Willie Johnson. He's playing guitar, and I don't know if he did well or not, but uh, apparently I got a picture of him. He's, he was a little bit famous at the time. This guy's just a nobody to walk on by, desperate for someone to simply help, required people to absolutely help. And so he hears Jesus coming, and he probably heard about the miracles, and he basically says, son of David, have mercy on me. And he kept crying this out. Probably looked like a moron. People actually told him, be quiet. Probably the same people that actually, same people that actually told those moms, we don't need the little kids here. They're just, they're just noisy, and they're weak, and they really, this is big boy stuff. Same people. They tell Bartimaeus to be quiet. Bartimaeus gets louder. Probably looked even dumber. But he doesn't care. He's got nothing to lose. His whole life is dependent. He's at the bottom of the rung. He can't look more silly. He's got nothing really to be ashamed of, in a sense, because he's just full of shame. Can't be more shameful than this. And so he cries out all the louder because he's desperate. Jesus, they tell Jesus this, and he says, call him. And so they grab Bartimaeus, or actually, uh, Mark says this. That's beautiful. Call him to me. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up. He's calling you. It's like Elvis is in the building. He wants you to come on stage. You know what I mean? Like all levels of he wants you. The highest sees the lowest and is asking you to come up. Just like those infants that the moms were bringing to Jesus a couple weeks ago we talked about. And what does Bartimaeus do? He throws off his cloak that's all he has, I'm sure. It's actually kind of dumb that he just throws it off and leaves it. <laughs> the rich young man, as Pastor King talked about a couple weeks ago, couldn't give up his Mercedes, his awards. This guy just throws out the only thing he has. That's because he doesn't have faith in that cloak. He doesn't have faith except for in this Jesus. So he doesn't need anything else. He knows what it feels like to not have anything else. What's more, one more thing gone. So he goes to Jesus. And Jesus says, just like he asked those two big-headed, prideful disciples who wanted to play God, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. Not looking for power or might or position. Totally saying, Lord, have mercy, meaning I just, I have to, I'm literally dependent on your mercy. And so God actually, Jesus actually asked me, he just says, I just need my sight back. And kind of the joke is to me is that he's a blind man. But compared to the disciples, he sees more than they do because they thought they were something else. They thought they were strong and mighty and just needed a little help. 
Bartimaeus, blind, sees that he is absolutely at the bottom of the rung and is absolutely powerless and totally in desperate need of God. And he probably knows humanity too as he sat on the side and listened to passerbys and their silly talk and their jokes and their vain living and their pretending that they were in charge, that they were gods, that they were righteous. Artemius just needs mercy. Jesus says to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. Your faith in him. Artemius believed. And I would say he was enabled to believe because he lost faith in everything else. So he could see, all I got is this Jesus. And sometimes I think that's what has to happen in our lives. Those painful times when you realize, I actually can't trust this thing, this, this career, this talent, myself and my intuition, all these things. I can't, I just don't have faith in it. Like, Sometimes we need to learn that and have it stripped away so that our eyes are actually open to see we are at the mercy of God. And I hope you learn from this that Jesus loves and is a sucker for someone that needs him. No questions asked. No transaction. If you do this, I'll do that. Jesus loves it when you're at your weakest moment. Not because he likes you feeling like that, because then he loves to bring you up. The last shall be first. So Jesus says, uh, go your way, your faith has made you well. And look what happens. Immediately he recovered his sight, and what does he do? The last part of chapter 10 of Mark. Immediately he recovers his sight, and his eyes are opened. Jesus says, go on your way, you are freed. And what does he do? He follows Jesus on the way. Because his eyes are really opened. That this, unlike any passerby that kind of helped or didn't help, no human being and all their ideas and philosophies and politics and government ideas and Democrats or Republicans or whatever, it all lets me down, but this Jesus does not. He sees me. He loves me. I'm following him. And so this wide-open Bartimaeus goes and follows Jesus. Chapter 11 begins with a triumphal entry as Jesus continues his journey to Jerusalem. And this Bartimaeus, eyes open, sees what? He sees this Jesus, love, enemies, people calling him names, throwing things at him, mocking him, dressing him up as a fake king. Jesus, uh, Bartimaeus sees it. He sees this Jesus take up your cross and mine. Bartimaeus is all of our sins. No one, no one asked him to. If Jesus were to ask you, what do you want me to do? Well, I don't need forgiveness. I don't need this. I just need a little help. So Jesus doesn't even ask. He does. And Bartimaeus saw it. He saw Jesus do something far more amazing than restore his sight, but go to the cross, nails in his hands, and declare, it is finished. What would you have me to do for you? 
And if we were there, we would have said, die, because I want to be God. And he does. And it turns out to be for you. Somebody commits adultery and they feel awful and their marriage is broken. What would you have me do for you? Forgive me. You are forgiven. Standing at a funeral and watching your loved one be lowered into the grave, what would you have me do for you? Raise him up again and he will rise up again and you will rise up again. What do you want Jesus to do for you? Forget all your sins you've done? Forgotten. Raise me up so that I can live forever? Like the rich young man said, done it is given. In Jesus' name, amen.